Welcome to Digital Health Connect, empowering global collaboration podcast by ECH Alliance, the podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the digital health industry to explore the latest innovations and trends. Join us as we dive into the world of digital health and hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators who are shaping the future of healthcare. So thanks for coming along today. We're going to have a conversation today, um, which hopefully should be informal, but informative. So we're, we're bringing all four of you together to have a conversation around substance misuse and, and digital, digital solutions that can work in, in, that, in that space. This is a production we're doing in partnership with DHI and Scotland. And hopefully, as members of the ECH Alliance, we'll be able to share this amongst a, a global community to look at Scotland's approach to this and what you see as some of the challenges and some of the barriers. But before we go on, because I'm conscious you probably don't know each other, I'll just introduce myself to you. I'm Andy Bleeding, the Communities Director for the ECH Alliance, the Global Health Connector. We're a member organisation with about 1,100 members all over the globe. Uh, we bring them together in ecosystem. We match need and solution. And hopefully that's what we're going to do here today. My background's in psychiatry, I'm working with uh, mentally disordered offenders and in the field of dementia uh, for ooh, 35 years now. We used to be 25, but that, that was 10 years ago. So that's a bit about my background. I, I'd like to perhaps introduce you, Alex. So tell us about yourself. Thank you. My name is Alex Baldacchino, and currently working as a professor of medicine, psychiatry and addiction. I'm a psychiatrist by training in, with St. Andrews University, but I've been working in the field of substance misuse for around, I think, around 30 years or so. And uh, I've just retired as a, as a practitioner, as a specialist in addiction. And uh, <laughs> talking about 30 years, etc. retired after 40 years of working as a practitioner, but still working in the field of addictions. Mm. And internationally, I just passed immediate president of the International Society of Addiction Medicine, which has around 15,000 members. And I'm the chair of the addiction psychiatry section of the World Psychiatric Association. But I've been invited here, I think because, I'm pretty sure, is because I chair the chief science, chief science office innovation consortium that is very much around reducing drug deaths. Okay. And as a result of that, I'll talk about that in due time about it. So I hope that. Thanks for that. Moira. Hi, I'm Moira McKenzie. I'm the Deputy Chief Exec with Scotland's Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre. So our interest in the area of um, substance use issues has been very much around about our experience of doing very complex digitally enabled programs around about service change but i'm also very personally engaged in this area as well because of my my kind of previous working experience within a health and social care partnership in scotland and particularly running supported housing and, uh, homelessness services homeless services being an area where a lot of people unfortunately gravitate towards when there's been issues around about addiction, sometimes linked with mental health issues, etc., as well. So I have a, as I say, a personal interest, but a professional interest from the digital services perspective. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Moira. Alison. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Alison Crockett. I'm the whole systems unit head at Scottish Government in the Drug Policy Division. I've been there since May last year. My responsibility at the moment includes essentially all of the bits of um, of drug policy which aren't directly pertaining to drug treatment itself 
so the, the 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 social determinants essentially of mental health have seen youth, women, the whole raft of human rights stigma, those kinds of things that um, fundamentally impact on people who use drugs, but aren't necessarily to do with their 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 uh, the substances that they're ingesting. I have a long history with with the drug policy and and drug work I've spent. Started in 1984 as an outreach worker on the streets in Kilmarnock, working with people who use drugs, and then spent next 16 years in uh, there, and then rehab in Phoenix and Merseyside, and then working with young people, care, experienced young people who were using substances. And then um, by a quirk of fate, moved to the Foreign Office as a, a mid-career entrant in 2001 and spent 11 years altogether working in the uh, United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime at the UK Mission, and then I worked in UNAIDS in Geneva for years, and then did some more things in, in foreign office and came here last year. So I've uh, been, been very much interested in drug policy, both in terms of practice and in policy for many years. So that, Sally. Sally Dyson, community development worker by trade currently head up the digital and development team within the Scottish Council for Voluntary Organisation, with a membership organisation for all community and voluntary organisations across Scotland. What I'm really interested in this from a digital inclusion aspect, many people across Scotland are socially excluded as well as digitally excluded. And community and voluntary organisations are often cool face of supporting people. That's where my interest is. Thanks for that. Useful, I think useful to just get a flavour. For me, this is personal. I've buried too many clients, friends and family uh, through substance use. And it's, it's personal. And that, I think for, for a lot of people, they hear Scotland and they hear drugs and they hear death often. And that, that's been challenged, that's been talked about openly. Alison, what's the size of the, the, the need here? Yeah. In Scotland. I think, um, well, you will know that former First Minister launched the National Mission on Drugs in 2021 following a record year of, of drug-related deaths. I think there was 1,330 people, I think, dead that year. And, um, you know, very much focused everyone's mind, I think. Uh, I think you're quite right. There has been a very long history of, of um, drug use and polydrug use in Scotland. <laughs> For, for a long time now. Um, the mission committed an additional £250 million in the, in the life of the government, the parliament, uh, to try to address this and redress the issues. And essentially that has worked kind of halfway there almost. And, and that has been spread across a range of different initiatives which look to improve the quality and scale of the treatment that people mm. Who use drugs can access um, uh, the opportunities to seek rehab should they want to, but also to seek um, their recovery in their way, which is why we have this whole raft of different initiatives now which are associated with the social determinants and and giving people an opportunity to to um, find their way and to acknowledge that they that, that this is frequently uh, trauma driven. Mm and that um, it moved off from a used to be a criminal justice approach to what is very much now rooted in a public health approach which is 
why we're really focusing on improving the health outcomes for people who use drugs. Thanks for that, because it's important, I think, to get get facts, because mm. um, we're talking about matching needs and solutions. So that's the thing to see quite clearly. And, and, and in terms of solutions, where where do you think digital plays a role in Scotland? Where where do you think? It's you know interesting that it had to be the you know drug tests that helped us focus. But I think historically Scottish Scotland has been ahead of the game in most things, especially on reduction and perspectives. But we are where we are, and and one of the important element of this focus of the drug mission is that services, not necessarily just statutory services, mm. um, have a quality principle and a very clear around being person-centered and also standards of care, you know, quality medication system treatment. You know, it's the mantra, it should be the mantra for everyone who's not living. The reason I'm mentioning those two is that um, that is important, fundamental, but part of the Thing of getting out of the comfort zone, I knowing that there is a whole raft of digital mm. landscapes out there could not and cannot be at this particular moment be met mm. by the change. So the post-COVID, the chief scientist office has recognized that there are several components in the health and social care system that needs to think new ways of delivering effectively, timely. And one of them, one of the mission tasks was that of reducing drug deaths. And so um, two years ago, <clears throat> I was asked to chair the consortium leadership consortium around this and to think beyond the, the obvious, beyond, you know, the important components of getting everyone involved. And as a result of that, you know, we managed to uh, focus people's attention. Mm get new money in order to support um, our first challenge call, which is about recognizing and responding timely on mm. um, episodes that could potentially create or become fatal overdoses or you know, become troubles as um, from a statistical point of view. So I hope I'll have the yeah. time to talk about, you yeah. know, what actually happened. Yeah. with that initiative, but that is happening in parallel with what has been described as, as a very focused mission. One element that is important and for food for thought as well is that I think in Scotland we have an opportunity not only to reduce the drug deaths, which most of them are preventable, but to reduce the alcohol deaths and suicides. And because as a whole system approach, we need to understand <laughs> these, these um, you know, mortalities have a lot to, you know, have a lot of cross-sectionality to, 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 to why these things are happening. I think that's what's changed. I, I sort of remember when drug use and mental health were mentioned in the same sentence. You know your, your, your client's going to get shown the door because it, mm. there, this is an excuse for, for cutting our service. But I think now there's a difference in that whole approach of seeing not only, you know, substance misuse, substance use, Drugs, death, alcohol, death, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in in the whole range is, is different. So on on the user, because you talk about co on user the co user involvement. What do you think is a role with with, with for, for users to get involved in the digital solution side more? Yeah, I think the national mission has allowed us an opportunity to think about doing things differently. Mm. And again, because of that investment over a five year period, you know, it's not a kind of switch on switch off type approach, which very often these these kind of initiatives uh, it might be. 
So what, what's happened is that Scottish government, through a range of different directorates, including Digital Health and Care and the Drugs Policy Team and our Connecting Scotland colleagues, have invested over £3 million looking at how we might use digital right. within the Digital Lifelines programme, so a £3.1 million investment over a four-year period. And what we've been doing there, exactly as, as you touched on, Andy, is, is co-designing with people, getting to where people are, themselves individually or as, as communities and trying to find out what their individual challenges and experiences are and then thinking about how we might utilize those insights to properly design the types of digital solutions that might help meet some of those challenges. So for example, things like uh, easier access to treatment right. it might be an area because we know and, and Alex and his team in St Andrews I've done quite a lot of work on identifying that where we can connect people into treatment, then it obviously increases their chances of going on in life successfully, but also, you know, avoids avoids the drug stress issue um, that we have. So we're looking at things like, you know, again, how do we use national products like our Near Me video consulting service to think about how we make that suitable for people with substance use issues and often co-occurring mental health and, and other associated challenges, how we use those types of platforms to not just be available in the usual hours of operation as well. You know, can we take those services to where the people are at physically um, and at a time that suits them and enable them to get easier access to treatment? So that, that co-design approach has been really, really important in trying to listen to where people's challenges are you know when when i'm ready to, to come forward and access treatment those services are not always open or in the place that i would find it easy to get to i've maybe not got the money for the bus fare to get there or and once i do get there there's very often maybe a feeling of stigma and that's attached to my approach as well and how might we use digital to take away some of those things and maybe make that relationship much more successful from the outset. What does what does good look like now? In terms of right now, what what was if if there was one thing that we weren't doing this five years ago, this works and we need to do more of it. What would it be? In terms of digital or services generally? Digital. <coughs> I think um, for me, digital is about um, being in the hands of the users. Mm -hmm. So being in the hands of people that are using the technology, but also, and maybe this is where I'm sure Sally will have some thoughts on it, making sure that people have got the skills and actually the, the getting the technology, having the connectivity, actually engaging with staff in a different way as well. So the whole agenda around about digital inclusion is very much something that Scottish Council for Voluntary Organisations has absolutely championed. Well, that's 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 because that leads us on to the the lifelines program. Yeah. So, what what do you think? Because I'm interested in impact, not not fancy fancy sort of headlines. I was like, what what has been the impact within Digible within that lifelines program for you? Sir? So the impact has been really significant. Digital is such an interesting <clears throat> word, and it means so many things to so many people. But first, you've got to be part of that digital world and the people that we're working in, in digital lifelines, which is around making sure that everybody can access the digital services that we're developing and that are being developed with them. 
And that digital inclusion is around, it's around five things, as Moira started to highlight. It's around making sure that people have skills and confidence and the literacy and understanding around digital, because it's not just around phones and laptops, it's around wearables as well, and where is somebody's data going and putting people really in control of that. It's about having the right devices, affordable connectivity all the time. This is really critical for many people. If your mobile phone fails you at critical moments, then that could be the difference between life and death. And it's around people having the motivation. There are still lots of people who go, why? You know, I can quite happily get along with my life without being involved. And really critically, it's around how we design services with people to make sure that those services are accessible to them when they need them. And so that impact can have really wide-ranging consequences from saving somebody's life right through to where that takes them in terms of rebuilding and reconnecting with lives and services. So there are many, many impacts of the individual, but also the people who care about those people, that individual, uh, and I'm sure we'll come onto that in a little bit. Well, if you, I'm just you mentioned about devices because there's always with with digital, there's the you got two arguments usually. Which there's a, there's a people who are, want to drive at it with great pace, but there's also people who say, oh, we won't be, you know, there's people that don't have access to these devices, or it's going to be. Too, how do you get rid of some of the the myths like that within this program? Have you, have you... So there's a really strong myth that if you give someone who uses drugs or device, then they're going to sell it, they're mm-hmm. going to lose it, it's an expendable piece of kit, and there are other more important factors. Across the UK, 50% of people who are online have lost a device or have chosen to sell their device. I, Yeah, I've lost a couple of devices and nobody's mm-hmm. saying to me, you can't have another one. Within Digital Lifelines, we're really booking that trend. So what we found with the people that we've been supporting, 1,600 of them so far, less than 4% of people have chosen to not keep their device. And I think that percentage is really stark and it just shows how valuable people find that device and the links to so many different aspects of of support, of value along their, their recovery journey. That's a myth that we need busting straight away so everybody can take that fact that would be amazing and the other thing i'm always interested as well as displaying myths is stories because yep. stories wipe out um hype they wipe away lack of of investment for me mm. so what would be a good good case story you think well this this is an example of you know, obviously we don't need someone's name address etc but but you know how you saw that on an individual <laughs> So that's really interesting. So preparing for today, I've read a number of of stories of a whole range of different people who've been involved within digital lifelines. And there were some real common threads within those stories. I think the first one is that it's not just an individual that benefits, it's their family, it's their friends, it's the support services. And ultimately, as well as that individual, it's Scotland's economy. So those are writ large across all of all of the stories. Um, I'm going to read uh, an amalgamation of things that people have said within those stories. And it's the smartphone and support offered me a lifeline. It provided immediate access to essential resources 
support services, support workers, access to benefits to maintain contact with friends and family, to find support which was tailored to my needs and support that I needed at the time that I needed it. It helped me to really basic things around navigating to, to appointments, making sure that I'd got alarms set to take my medications on time to really make sure I was engaged. And of those, um, those stories that I was reading, I read, you know, sort of five or six of them. One person went on from being released from prison to undertaking some volunteering and that was helped and established through the support and through their access to the advice and the skills that they were learning. Somebody was maintaining some family relationships through really difficult times. This person's father had just died. And so that device was for the entirety of that family and how they supported themselves and were supported to go through that bereavement and grief process. Somebody else uh, has completed a course in data science and another person has completed their engineering degree. So those mm. are just four stories amalgamated together from about six. And those are really powerful. Mm. This isn't that people are scraping by through life. It's actually a hope and a lifeline to massive achievements personally for themselves, for their families and for Scotland. Yeah. And offers a future. I think that's the, that's that's the, 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 the what you're saying there, that lifeline to the future. And that future <laughs> I mean you more in terms of what, what would your hopes be for people? What's next basically for for you, do you think, with digital innovation in Scotland? What would what what would what can go could look like in the future, do you think? So DHI's role in supporting uh, the Digital Lifelines programme has been really useful and interesting for us. And we're able to use our networks that we already had established to think about where we might go next um, with it. Because initially it was set up as a four-year programme and we're into, what, two and a half, two and a half plus um, years of that now. So what we're starting to think about and the portfolio group that, that manages the programme are thinking about is exactly that question, where next? Mm. And thinking about how we might uh, a call out internationally right. and say who else is doing right. things in this area that might be useful for us? Are there collaboration opportunities that we want to pursue round about that? And seeing research as an important element of the work that we've been doing as well. So a lot of the insights that we have gathered as we progress through the programme has been very much because we have embedded that research and evaluation methodology um, throughout. So we've been working with the University of St Andrews, the University of Stirling and the Drugs, Drugs Network um, in Scotland to think, what are we learning? as we go along and then how do we agilely adapt as we go forward. So we see where we've got to in Digital Lifelines as a foundation for what we might do next. In conversations with colleagues and Alex and I are both in, in conversations with colleagues in Northern Ireland and the Republic right. of Ireland looking at the Peace Plus programme opportunity yep. that's coming through and a particular call round about addictions um, and how we might take some of the learnings from Scotland and support Ireland to move ahead as well, but then obviously helping us accelerate some of the efforts that we're already making round about the products and the inclusion agenda that we've already um, set off on. So 
I think it's only going to start to gather momentum mm. increasingly as we go forward, and that was absolutely needed. And cash always helps with these things. Cash definitely helps, yes. I think uh, without that, it's very difficult yeah. to do the, the research and innovation. It is. I'll come on to that back in a second. I'll ask you about that. Are you, Alison, mm. what are you, from what you've heard, in the, what's, what's there in the future? Do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> I think the future is is quite, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> is quite uncertain in, in, in terms of addiction, in terms of substance use. Uh, we are absolutely committed to continuing with the maintaining the, the, the growth of the quality of our treatment services, our harm reduction services. I think, you know, all of this is very, very important to, to continue to maintain. But I think our, our, our sort of underpinning commitment, and I was interested in what you were saying, is, is that we put people with lived and living experience at the centre of our policy making and that actually when we have made those that we've done you know long and 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 significant consultations now through our national collaborative and which is a participative and human rights based kind of approach and often it's you know what people are asking for is really uh, you know help with their lives not necessarily specifically their use with all of their their lives and I think what I'm hearing from the digital is that this is really really important and and we cannot ignore the importance of digital you know connection for for people increasingly as as you know time goes on and also the nature of uh, substance use is shifting I think we're all read in yes. the in the press about the new new uh, synthetic drugs that are coming down the line different demographic of people who you're using. So, you know, there are lots of things for which we have no immediate answer. And I think that the more, therefore, we have to really concentrate on how do we help the whole person and not just the substance, because actually mm -hmm. we haven't got a, an answer for substance in many circumstances. What we need to do is help individuals who may be um, at risk or vulnerable to to sort of to uh, going into to to substance use to find ways of you know managing their lives in a way which is better supported, which may prevent them hitting those crises in the first place. Because ideally, we would rather not yeah. they got into crisis yeah. in the first place, which is where I think we need to focus our attention and where I think digital is really important. And it's where I've seen it working in the mm -hmm. US absolutely because they've mm -hmm. used that with the mm -hmm. fentanyl mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. That they've they've had to do. They, yes, they 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 sort the answers yeah. through, through digital very often. And real time, yeah. um, immediate information yeah. for people who are at risk, I think, is very very important. And again, I think digital is one of the areas that that could very much help us. So we've talked about need. We've talked about some <laughs> some, some ideas in terms of the background for what you do. We've talked about some of the impacts that we've seen, and we've briefly touched on cash. All my, I used to talk, talk about need, solutions, cash. But then the last thing for me is the so what? What are we going to do next? Where's the opportunities to collaborate? So certainly for you, Alex, where where where's the opportunities so, to collaborate with, yeah. with, with, with you? I think in a way, sort of, you know, the discussion is going on very, very well. to <laughs> make my, my response easier. Again, I said, you know, digital is an opportunity mm -hmm. post-COVID to do things differently and quickly mm -hmm. and effectively. As you know, the Health and Social Care Directorate, the delivery of services can um, has a lot to do to, to learn around, you know, responsiveness and, and timeliness. But 
I think what's important as well is to recognize it is not just about the users. Mm. It is about the providers. Mm -hmm. It's about the system because the system doesn't move or shift mm -hmm. or understand what digital is all about. You could have the best providers to have the most willing users and support the user. There's a problem. So those were the conversations we had when we set up the Reducing Drug Deaths Consortium as part of the CSO innovation. And we've put in a challenge call. So, ah, so what? Right. Okay. We've put in a challenge call. We managed to attract five million pounds of money, the cash. They're interested. I can, I can see their, their attention. It's only so, focused now. And through the Scottish and UK government, okay. so it became a UK-based okay. initiative where we asked small medium enterprises to work with social and um, healthcare providers to work with universities in order to provide, it was very clear, some timely and effective way of recognizing and responding to imminent, potentially fatal overdose. So the call went out in January and currently we're working with 11 prototypes. Oh, what? And then those prototypes of course, have been funded through five million, and the prototypes had four months within which they will be able to show that they're able to move to phase two, which is the demonstration site, and then um, to, you know, essentially say, you know, show us that what they have written on the yeah. application form is actually they're able to do that. And some examples are are way, you know, beyond what I even imagined. So, for example, we're talking here of one of the antidotes that we, we encourage patients, families and to have is naloxone. Some are working in order to have not only a very quick way of delivering or taking naloxone, but also having, a, having a, a product that has naloxone and flumazanil, which is an antidote for benzodiazepam. And we know that most of the drug deaths is because of a cocktail of sedatives, usually opioids and benzodiazepam. So you could see that's a game changer. And then we have others who are using a wearable type of technologies. And I mean, not just the ones that surround the wrist, I cannot mention the products, <laughs> but also um, technology that is used within fabric. So people wearing socks, mm -hmm. shirts, etc., which would measure your know, oxygen saturation, measure your uh, movement, your breathing, etc., which we know are usually. And then we have another one, which is using drones. How do you not only able through GPS systems identify what is, you know, certain people through these wearable <coughs> technologies might be tipping into an overdose event. And you know, we have about half an hour, one hour of yeah. that moment in time yeah. where you could save a life where, uh, but might be in the islands at Highlands yeah. somewhere and the ambulance will take two hours. Mm. So how can we use technology like drones? How can we use um, other types of immediate ways of connecting people together mm. into the into the system? So their December, they reached the four, <laughs> month, four month period, mm. phase one. And I'm glad to say that most of them are really, really keen, not only have they pass the test, the yeah. litmus test, you know, moving on, but they're applying for the phase two, which is 18 months. So is that this year? Is that this year? And so the process would take, it will start, phase two will start around March. Right. I see. 2024. And there's money already funded for that. 
or potentially if all the 11 prototypes move to demonstration. So there's no issues about the money, et cetera. And um, I hope, you know, in due time, if yeah. you ask me the right question, mm-hmm. I will tell you what the plans are for 2024 and 2025. Now's your chance. Tell us about 2024 <laughs> and 2025. Okay, thank you very much. So, you know, I'm struck by, by everyone had said here, and it resonates very much, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people who work in the field of substance misuse. I mean, substance, not just illicit drug use, but also alcohol use mm-hmm. as well. Need to, you know, the issues of comorbidity, the issues of information, data. So there are two um, planned, hopefully, we will attract enough money, okay. challenge calls. One of them is around surveillance and data intelligence. Right. And I mean, not from a criminal job, police perspective, mm-hmm. monitoring, but is how can all the stakeholders, how can all the players know what is out there? How can they access the right service at the right time? Mm-hmm. How can we understand who is most at risk? How can we utilize AI and, and metadata and data linkage, which is, you know, top for, for Scotland to be able to do that through the Kai and, and others. And without, of course, and, you know, infringing on persons who write uh, private data. So that's one challenge call. The other call is about systems, as I mentioned. How do you make a system that is person-centered, that is responsive to the needs of the individuals. And that um, takes some new way of thinking. You know, Moira knows me all too well. I always mention the word implementation science is how do you use issues like syndemics and other processes in order to understand that if a new drug comes into the into horizon, we know about what is happening. You know what the potential is. But no system is changing. It's how do you move that big, big tanker, you know, in order to be responsive. And digital platforms are one of those where we can very clearly, as Mara said, very clearly be able to shift, assess, identify, diagnose, try, uh, you know, use the right evidence-based biopsychosocial intervention. So watch your space. Watch your space. So this year, so we're, we're, we will, Six Lines will, will undertake to broadcast that through our network. That's that's what we do. Yeah. Okay. Of course. So we'll broadcast that. Sally, I couldn't come to you. What are you? What, what, what have you got that's interesting in, in the coming year that people need to keep an eye on for? Well, just published. It's Digital Inclusion Roadmap right. uh, for Scotland, which focuses on what everybody can do as part of one of the five areas of digital inclusion. Now that's whether you're an individual or whether you're part of any organisation. So what can you do to support people with their skills and confidence? What can you do industry around affordable connectivity, around making sure that people have the right device or suite of devices for them? What can you do to motivate somebody? Well, that could be somebody within your family. It could be a colleague. It could be, you know, sort of anyone that you know. for organisations and services, when you're designing and redesigning, then what are you doing in terms of that co-production, whether that's with an individual, with a new, you know, with service, with staff and volunteers, how are you designing that service so that people, brings people along a digital inclusion journey? And it's a really pleasant journey to go through and not one that has barriers. I think we're really lucky in Scotland so SCVO have been working on this agenda 
with colleagues in Scottish government and others for about 15 years. And that's that's a really privileged position to be in because what we have created within that is a movement and a lot of understanding. And I think that's creates one of the real um, planks of why digital inclusion is thought about by so, such a diverse range of organisations. So we've harnessed that within the roadmap uh, and you will be seeing it. It's on the SCVO website. Everybody's got a copy. Everybody's got a copy of it. My <laughs> colleagues will be coming across over the next year and talking to people about, so what can you do? It could be a small thing and nothing is too small. It could be a larger thing. And then sharing those stories again, back to stories, sharing those stories with other colleagues to inspire us because this is a job for everybody in Scotland. It's no single organisation or person's job to make sure that people are digitally included and thereby supporting people out of social exclusion and chipping away at poverty, which is something that we're all here and engaged with. So that's the move for us. Okay, well, again, your your members, if I'm not mistaken, we'll publish whatever you check out because it's important yeah. to get out for, not just in terms of understanding, people's understanding of what you're doing, but also for other organisations in other countries who are in yeah. a similar position. Because <laughs> I think actually we can take that. Scotland's fantastic at this because of the size of Scotland, mm. of creating reusable strategies and plans for other countries. And there's something I think outside, because I see outside of Scotland all the time, they always look to Scotland and think, well, what have they done? So that's that's useful. So we're, we're broadcast and amplified whatever you chuck at us right. through our social media and our communities. I'm conscious, obviously, you can do that through DHI as well because they've got a fantastic newsletter to subscribe to. We'll put links in the in the, the recording. We have a plan, don't uh, worry. Yeah. And, then, and I think, Moira, come back to you. What's, what have you got planned in for 2024? Well, for me, it's about thinking, you know, one of our colleagues the other day there said there's a need now to join up the dots. Mm. So it's very much about lots of great stuff happening in, in different areas. How do we actually join that together so that, you know, it starts to that gather that momentum that I re referred to earlier on? And I think one of the key ways of doing that is is almost seeing the partnerships that we already have as an opportunity, a bit like an innovation cluster. So we had our conference back in September and we were deliberately inviting people from different countries, from different experiences to come together with our happy band just to say, you know, how do we expand that learning? How do we create an environment in which we continue to invest in research and innovation in this space? And, um, actually just move it on. So that for me, we've got a community of learning that's already in place, but supported by SCVO. I'm quite keen and there are discussions to be had about how do we expand that community of learning? How do we use our conference in a much more open and expansive way? And again, hoping that, that you guys in ECHA Alliance are very much going to support that wider collaboration and international partnerships that we can pursue through that as well. But there's funding, obviously. We've heard about opposite, obviously we've seen opportunities for funding calls come out here. We've got roadmaps being published. We've got and, and, and being broadcast and we've got conferences coming up. Your next one is going to be, when's the next Life Plans conference? June, so the plan is we have one in June 24. We're right. still debating whether it's the 4th or the 11th. It's looking like Details. the 4th of June. Yeah. So keen, keen to, again, you circulating that around your network yeah. so that yeah. we can attract others to come along. And the other thing I think we, we've got, 
within our network, we've got an implementation of ecosystems. So these are 80 mm -hmm. global ecosystems, as well as 13 thematic ecosystems. Those, the thematic ecosystems, are, I think, where the answer lies. So we've got one on mental health. Uh, we've looked at isolation, self-harm, substance misuse in the past. I think there's a way to come back to that and say, mm -hmm. what are we doing about digital around substance use and death prevention? Well, I think we're more than happy to co-host that with partners here from Scotland and showcase Scotland to the rest of our community because it's an issue in other countries, in Germany, in yep. in Africa, in 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 the US, in Australia that they, they want to know what the answers that other countries are doing, especially Scotland. So let's use that as a way to connect up those dots. We can, we can do that, and hopefully um, start connecting dots between what we're doing in Scotland outside. So thank you, Alex Moira. Alison and Sally for your contributions today. Hope you've enjoyed the chat. Yeah, I've certainly learned lots, and, and I feel more positive than I did when we started. Oh, <laughs> oh good. Thank you. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today's episode of Digital Health Connect, empowering global collaboration by ECH Alliance. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and stay connected with us as we continue to explore the latest developments in digital health and the power of global collaboration. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.